Um, Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show on the air the Truman Show is on the air now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS here's Truman Jones good morning Rutherford County and uh, I've got Paul Dehoff on Dehoff why is that such a hard last name to pronounce because most people call it Dehoff and it, it, it's shortened a little bit. As you know, far French, as the French is a, is a shorty. It's a French? Uh, uh, yeah, French-German. Depends on who won the last war, you know. <laughs> well, that's always been Germany. France, France, Lorraine. Has, France hasn't been in the ball game. Bless their hearts. Uh, you know, I, I was, I've been having a hard time walking the last two or three days, and you came up with, uh, I, I, I probably will take a Tylenol before I do that, I'm going to use your direction, and and my brother said the same thing. He said, take a, uh, a pot or, or or a bucket. Get a, get a couple of trash cans from Walmart. Yeah, and, and no, no, I don't want to put that much in there. But to, to heat it up real hot. Put your uh, leg in where it goes up uh, over the uh, uh, Achilles, and then 45 seconds later, maybe. Or 30 seconds. 30 seconds, yeah. Uh, then put ice in there. Is that correct? Well, or, or you, have, put, you have two buckets. You have a hot bucket and you have a cold bucket. Yeah. You put it for 30 seconds in the warm in the hot bucket. Mm-hmm. Then me move it over and put it 30 seconds in the cold bucket, in the mm-hmm. ice water bucket. Yeah. And do that cycle seven times. And uh, it, uh, boy, it'll flatten knocks some because it forces the blood vessels open and then it forces them close you know uh, this is not medical advice so, you understand but just a technique so we're talking about uh, about three to three and a half minutes of it yeah yeah seven wow. seven cycles back and forth 30 seconds yeah in each side and it uh, was like a magic bullet I, I usually when I broke my broke my foot uh, broke my ankle in a when a drunk driver knocked me down and uh-huh. uh, uh, bounced me around a little bit and Broken arm, broken leg, a bunch of other stuff. Anyway, but it, uh, boy, it just really relieved the pain because it, it. Would that do that for every joint? Well, actually, I have used it in my knee, and I didn't have a thing big enough to get my knee down into. Yeah. So you I got, got a bathtub. A, well, that's right. I got I got in I got a uh, gallon bag of uh, ice, mm-hmm. and uh, put it in a Ziploc bag with water in it so mm-hmm. it'd be cold and I'd put my knee down in that hot tub and then bring it up and put that ice bag on it for 30 seconds and then put it back down in mm. and it worked that way too but well, when you can't hardly walk and you got a limp everywhere you go <laughs> it, it, it's 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 a real pain but you know I, it's hard to think that something like that's happening in the young part of my life I'm still a young man I don't know you get over 25 it's just patch 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 you know? <laughs> Getting old is a is a is is a different experience. I I get to talk to some of my friends, some of our doctors, and and um, we we just kind of uh, share what we're going through. It, it's it's an amazing thing, and um, but your your people, uh, of course, have the, uh, uh, the the Bible bookstore. It right. has a lot more than. Uh, and, and a lot of people um, think that it's mostly a religious uh, uh, reading place, but it's not. You've got all kinds of uh, historical things. Yeah, there are history books and uh, Bible atlases, handbooks, uh, and then we've got the flag shop down there too. We can get all sorts of flags and flagpoles yeah. and state flags, and uh, if we don't have it, we can order it. And uh, what would a, a say a ten, twelve foot pole? in your yard with the I would say the big flag I I, I don't know if it's we're I'd talking probably about a four by six maybe four by six yeah, yeah. what what does that cost you know I 
I am totally out of the loop on that. Yeah. We have people there that uh, they're all up but, to speed. But somebody on will that. actually put that in for you, right? They can have it put in, sure. There's, yeah. We we have a contractor who puts it in, and he'll uh, he'll take care of it for you. Yeah. But uh, I, I want to <clears> take care of the flat. I, I do want a flat. Well, we've got 25 and 30 foot poles that yeah. people put up, and uh, you know some big ones that we've ordered. Can you take it down and put it up every day? Cause we yeah, were, the pole we stays taught, there, but yeah. the but the flag goes up and down. Yeah. yeah. And they're extension poles, where extension flag poles, where you can lower the pole down to some extent. I mean, it's vertical, but then you can raise it, raise the whole shebang up. Yeah. If you need to for some reason, but. Uh, well, I I don't want to see the flag in bad weather. I can't stand to see a flag uh, when it's raining. Used it. to. Uh, you know, the big garrison flags, they fly on holidays and that yeah. sort of thing, uh, 38 by 50 feet, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, most military posts and bases have uh, what they call storm flags they'll mm -hmm. put up. When a storm is coming in, they'll lower the flag that's, the, the, of course, they don't use the garrison flag except on holidays and, and other unless you're in Texas. Yeah. You drive all over Houston, there are Texas flags and American flags side by side, huge, all over the place, on every building you can imagine. I've never seen so many flags in one place. But uh, they'll take down their regular flag and put up a little storm flag, which is like three by five mm -hmm. flag, and put it up so during the storm when the wind's ripping everything else up, that little flag will hold up better. And uh, I can see Texas being a very patriotic state. Oh, yeah. And it's it's the only state that is officially allowed to fly their flag the same height as the American flag. Every other Why is that? Well, because it was an independent country. Oh, I see. And when they came in, and, and the other interesting thing about Texas is all these states come in, you know, you have all these federal lands and this, that, and the other. There were no federal lands in Texas because it was all state, Texas state lands. Yeah. And uh, they have ceded some stuff, national parks and that sort of stuff, to the federal government, but... Uh, Texas was private lands and state lands, and uh, you go to do an oil and gas lease or something like that for their school lands, uh, 16th section lands. It'll uh, it'll be state lands that you're leasing from, not federal. Why did Davy Crockett allow that to happen in Texas and not in Tennessee? It was very rude of him, wasn't it? It was, and very rude of him to leave Tennessee just because he would, he got a little mad at the, the voters. Yeah, there there are mugs down there that have uh, Texas on one side and Davy Crockett's quote on the other side. And <clears throat> when he was voted out of office as a congressman, because he was a congressman yeah. in Tennessee, he made his final speech up in Washington, D.C., and he's, um, I'm quoting directly, mm -hmm. you people may go to hell and I'm going to Texas. And and he did. Of course, it didn't turn out too well for him down in Texas with the Alamo. But uh, No, no. It, uh, I, I think he was outnumbered by quite a bit yeah. during that particular they, uh, situation. He and Davy Crockett and Jim Bridger and uh, Travis and a bunch of others. So. Of the 185 Texans that died at the Alamo, or pe people who died at the Alamo, Something like 88 of them were Tennesseans. Isn't that something? Uh, more so than any other state. Of course, he took a number of, of his buddies down there with him. Yeah, they did. Yeah. We were going through the Alamo years ago, back when it was uh, before it was state operated, and uh, the group was there, and they said, "Is anybody here from Tennessee?" Mm -hmm. And we raised our hands. Yeah, y'all come to the head of the line. He said, "Because y'all have a special place here, because 88 Tennesseans died." Mm -hmm in defending the Alamo. So. That bothers me even just to say that. It really does. Of course, this this state being uh, the state that it is, uh, we've always come to the aid of whoever needed it at the time. Uh, and uh, The Spanish-American War, I think, is what gave name to the volunteer state yeah. when they called for volunteers. And they had, you know, I don't know if they wanted some small number, like 2,000 or something, and they got thousands and thousands more. I don't remember the exact numbers, but... Well, the Tennesseans were adventurous anyway. They, they, they were, were. They were very much. And they were an independent group. Yeah. They, uh, you think we've got that bloodline? I hope we do. <laughs> the the spirit of of exploration. Yeah. yeah. Maybe so, because we. I used to guide trips in the Middle East, and that was always an adventure. You never knew what was going to go. We're over in Athens, and. Uh, 
getting ready to fly out to Istanbul the next morning, and they grounded all the 747s in the world. And, of course, we were flying out on a 747 the next morning. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And uh, so I said, well, we're, uh, we're going to take a day trip up to the Corinthian Canal. We didn't have Corinth on the list. You know? yeah. And so we sent, it, sent everybody up to see the Corinthian Canal and Corinth and all that area. And then uh, while they're going, we arranged to get another flight out to Istanbul the next day. But that's beautiful land up there in the Mediterranean, isn't it? It is. It, it's rugged in some areas. Yeah. Uh, I've always wanted to go and never had the opportunity. It's uh, it's just a matter of priorities. If you uh, you set that as your priority, you'll do it. And if, if you don't, then you won't. But, you know, with today's programs and all that sort of thing, you can see all sorts of stuff. We, I always thought it was interesting watching uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade or something mm -hmm. or other. And uh, <clears throat> he's riding through the the canyon area, and, I, and I've been in that canyon area at mm. uh, the ancient city of Petra in Jordan. Wow, uh, it's beautiful! I mean, stunningly beautiful, and uh, <clears throat> fascinating area in a lot of history. Everything the buildings are carved out of the cliffs. They're not built; they're carved out. And uh, they seem to be. Uh, really great warriors over the, the centuries that, that uh, uh, they were in, in battle with a lot of other uh, Mideast, uh, like uh, Iran and, and, and those. Uh, in fact, it's, there seems to have always been wars in those well, areas. Well, the, the Bedouin tribes, it's very tribal over yeah. there, and of course, that was the amazing thing when T.E. Lawrence, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, mm -hmm. during World War I, uh, you know, the British were sitting around trying to figure out how to do something. And in the meantime, he, he united all those Arab tribes together and took Aqaba from the Turks and then went back to Jerusalem. And they're saying, well, you know, we won't be able to take Aqaba for at least a year. And he said, I've already taken it. It's done. And That's they're like, amazing. what in the world? And yeah, and uh, but he united all those tribes at least temporarily, for a central purpose, and uh, did things that nobody thought could be done. That's one of the reasons I really wanted to go to Greece. I, I wanted to follow up on all the history that we've all read about for ever since we were school age, and of course they, they they've even <laughs> carried it a step farther with all the movies that. They made about the 300, and right. and uh, you you think about that, and uh, you talk about the heroic things that go on today. But it was almost uh, just a, a matter of when and where back in those particular days. It was very physical. You didn't have rifles or artillery or that sort of stuff. It was very personal, hand to hand. Yeah. And a lot of the a lot of the Greek colonies were on what's now the Turkish coast. Mm -hmm. uh, you think about the city of Ephesus and uh, those cities along the coast. Those were Greek colonies, not Turkish, yeah. or not Muslim. And um, then later they were, you know, captured and taken over. Yeah, that yeah. was just like uh, waiting for uh, you to become a, a man when you were growing up over there, because you were trained to be a warrior from the time that. Pretty much, you were born. It, it, you were, and even even the ladies were also trained to be but warriors. It's interesting that in the modern day nation of Israel, uh, they're all required to perform military service for a certain length of time. Is it a and year or is it two years? I was thinking it's two years, but it might be a year. That's why I didn't say because I'm not positive which is which. Yeah. But uh, I think that uh, I think we should still do that. It uh, it and definitely impresses some leadership and the ability to you have to to be able to lead well. You've got to be able to follow well. Yeah. And that's like service academies. You spend the first two years following. You know, all the upperclassmen are doing stuff and this and the other, and you you are very much in the follow mode. And then after that, you begin to take well, even during the second year, you begin to take leadership roles and and. Uh, uh, study leadership and learn leadership yeah. and the traits and characteristics. And for some people it works, and for some, unfortunately, it does not work so well. But When you have all types of ethnic groups, like we do here in the United States, I always thought it was a great positive for everybody from different backgrounds 
to be thrown in together and and uh, then they become a a common force against whatever they're going to be fighting and it take brings them all together when when you're raised with people you understand them better and and it it, uh, it kind of brings everybody in, in one direction well there were names that I've when I was in the military, there were names I'd never heard of before. You know, mm-hmm. Dornstetter and Chesnolovich and all these names from all across the world where they'd come to the United States. And uh, it's a fascinating blend. Yeah, and it's also fascinating that they most of them that would come here with those long names, back uh, they would shorten them. So, yeah. so that people would understand them. And, and that's the first time I ever uh, even thought about that was when I was in the service. In, uh, at Ellis Island, uh, my understanding is they had the practice. They would go through the line, and they would say, what name do you want? And the Italians and all these people would be like, well, I don't know. And they'd say, okay, here's your name. They would assign them a name, and that became their American name. Hmm. Uh, and you, there were instances where you'd have brothers. One went through one line, and one went through the other line. And when they came out, they had different family names because they'd assigned them different names. And uh, But, it, you know, the practice was to... You're you're coming here to assimilate, yeah. Not to not to replicate what you're leaving, and uh, so they, you know. Well, you pay your dues when you go in the service, and and I think that's that's important. It, I really felt satisfaction in to be able to go in and and um, kind of contribute something that yeah. so many others have contributed and, and have gone out on, and it's that's a that's a sad thing for me. To More see. modern day time, they'd say you spend your time on the wall. Yeah. You're, you stand on the wall. You are the guard. You uh, protect things during the time you're there. I had a, I was at a church down in Houston when I was down there, and this guy was being entertained by West Point uh, U.S. Military Academy to be on the football team. Mm-hmm. He was a young guy, and they, they went up, they flew up there for, interview and to visit and everything and they came back and <clears throat> I was talking to him out in the lobby one Sunday and I said uh, John do you do you really want to be in the military do you want to be? he said well I don't know and I said well you need to weigh that because I said it doesn't have to be a lifetime commitment but it is a commitment when you're there and I said you know the oath starts out I'm an American fighting man mm-hmm. I serve in the forces which guard our nation and our way of life I'm prepared to give my life in their defense and if you're not don't do it you know, and he ended up not going. Wow. But uh, I think back, uh, I can't think of his name, but he was a, uh, he played in the NFL and he was young, uh, uh, one of the, the ball players, and he decided he wanted to go to the military. And um, he he did. He, he And he was very proud to be there. I mean, how many individuals who are making millions of dollars playing a sport would uh, decide in this day and time, I want to go over there and, and do something for my country. Serve my part and then come back. Yeah, and and uh, of course he he was killed by a friendly fire, unfortunately. Till till it, Tillman till it. Uh, I believe it was Tillman. I believe that's yeah, right. Yeah. Can you imagine? Uh, it, it's just uh, yeah. people like that are special. We're going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back with Paul DeHoff. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450. And streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Adams Place is a premier senior living facility in Murfreesboro. Our residents say the chefs at Adams Place run the area's best restaurant. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Adams Place Residential Living Director Terry Deal. Offering independent living, assisted living, memory care, health care center, and on-site rehabilitation. 
Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. It's what our members tell us we do every day. Whether it's a loan for a car you need to get to work or saving for the future, let us see if we can help. If you live, work, worship, or attend school in Rutherford, Bedford, or Marshall Counties, you can be a member of Heritage South. Visit our website, HeritageSouth.org, to learn more. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Liberty. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company customizes your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. As a minimalist, paying less for insurance is more. Nice place. Is your house a bubble? It's a dome. I find corners unnecessary. At Liberty Mutual, that's how we feel about overpaying for insurance. But I do miss having shelves. Hmm, what would you put on them? Nothing, obviously. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Here's a message just for the attorneys out there. So you passed the bar, joined a firm, or even built your own. Now are you finding out that you're doing more administration than actual law practice? Lexicon can help. Lexicon is a legal services and technology provider with over a decade of experience streamlining administrative tasks like timekeeping, HR, billing, client intake, and more. So you can focus on maximizing billable hours and increasing client satisfaction. Call 855-4-LEXICON or visit lexiconservices.com go to learn more. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. One of the people arrested in Tennessee for her alleged role in unrest at the U.S. Capitol earlier this month could be free soon. Federal Judge Ruth Lisa Eisenheit can be released from custody because although he said her involvement in the riot is undisputed, he also said she poses no flight risk or danger to the public while she awaits trial for conspiring with her son, Eric Munchell, to violate federal law. A mid-state mayor wants to honor the victims of one of the area's worst natural disasters. Putnam County Mayor Randy Porter is proposing a Green Space Park Memorial Park in honor of 19 people who were killed when an EF4 tornado touched down on March 3rd of 2020. The site is where three family homes once stood. Nearly $50,000 of the $75,000 needed to buy the land has already been raised. COVID-19 numbers are going down in Tennessee compared to numbers in November and December. Currently, there are 2,061 active COVID-19 cases in Rutherford County. COVID's also caused 298 deaths. The Low T Center in Murfreesboro now has drive-through rapid COVID testing every Monday until February 22nd. Tests will be conducted from 8.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. with no appointment necessary. A $60 test will give you results in less than 30 minutes. Meanwhile, legislation being filed by a state senator that would prevent businesses from requiring people to wear face masks or other medical devices. Republican lawmaker Joey Hensley of Hohenwald filed the bill last week. The legislation calls requiring a face mask as a condition of service, quote, a discriminatory practice. When news breaks, we tweet it. Follow us at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Hey, gentlemen, start your new year off right, prioritizing your health with a quick and easy health assessment at Low T Center. They exclusively specialize in men's wellness and follow strict medical guidelines for your health and safety. They are one of the leading men's medical providers in the country. Low T Center has reinvented the doctor's visit, making it quick and easy to get all your levels checked, not just your testosterone. It starts with an annual wellness exam, where they do a comprehensive health assessment so that you'll know all of the numbers that are important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, noticed weight gain, and a loss of muscle mass, these could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. And now they offer monitored self-inject at home testosterone treatments. 
providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety, including a take-home blood pressure monitoring cuff. Book your annual wellness exam today at LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-60s. Winds out of the southwest of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy, low near 37. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 51. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes. For Premier Six Theater, they're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450 and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. <coughs> and welcome back with Paul DeHoff. And you were, you were or have been an attorney for a number of years. Right. And uh, I've been in corporate and private practice both, so. Which one, uh, if, if I was, had been in your shoes, I would have loved private practice. I, I wouldn't want to do corporate. But... Um, which one did you that drew your attention more than the other? I enjoyed private practice. Mm -hmm. My big flaw was I didn't charge enough, like most attorneys charge a whole bunch of money, and I, I generally did not do that. And uh, well, so, well, I don't understand that because I see on television where they're doing it just simply for to take care of of, of the people that have have had things done to them that were wrong. And they will for price. And yeah. there are people who truly need to be, they need help and they need to be represented properly. Yeah. Uh, because they, you know, somebody who's in a, uh, there was a lady years ago here who, she's literally standing on the corner and an Amico tanker truck cuts the corner. Mm. She's in her 70s or 80s and hits her, breaks her hip. She has to have a hip replacement, bunch of other stuff. And you know, uh, my father was uh, counseling with her. He said, you need to get a good attorney. And she's like, well, no, I can't, you know, I can't sue people. I can't take them to law. And the oil company paid her something like $1,500 to settle the case or something. And clearly that was not right and wasn't justified. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I would have been, even if I was working for the oil company, uh, which I have done on occasion, I wouldn't have been very proud of that. So... No, but the thing that I've noticed over the years and have been in a lot of courtrooms, um, whether it be civil or criminal cases, your number one advantage is your attorney because uh, not everybody is on the same level after they complete uh, law school. That's true. And there, very true. I have seen some people that when they walk in the door, I say, uh-oh. This this case is going to be over because yeah. the some of them just have that special gift, and in in, uh, in some of it is political. Uh, they just automatically have that specific name, and so I can pronounce it. But uh, others, they they just. It is a skill, and it yeah. requires the mental level that you have to operate at, which you have to operate is just, in my opinion, to do a good job. You've got to be on the on the case. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if you think of stuff in the shower, you write it down. I, I actually, at times, I would put a cassette recorder by my bed, mm -hmm. and I'd think of something in the middle of the night, and I'd lean over and and put it on the recorder because if if I didn't do that by morning, I'd forget it. You yeah, know, I'd forget it was gone, and and uh, then you hear it in the morning. You're like, oh, that's a good idea. I want to use that. Or, eh, not so good. I'll let that pass. But uh, you have to be able to read everything, don't you? When you're in a court of law, you have to read. Uh, if you're having a jury trial, you have to be able to read them. Of course, you have the option of uh, um, not, not yeah. accepting them. 
and, and then uh, up to a point. Yeah, you can't you can't disqualify everybody, but you usually have a certain number. You have to read yeah. the judge. Definitely. Yeah. Now, have you ever had the opportunity to get to have a judge recuse himself or herself? I I have not. I've had somewhere I thought they should have, but they didn't. Yeah. And uh, it. Uh, that's, in my opinion, it was a very political case, and I think he took the politically expedient route on it. But, you know, most of the judges are very good at what they do. They're very objective at what they do, and they uh, most of them are, are extremely balanced in their approach. And it's not, you know, it's not one of these deals where you come in and you're a dead duck the second yeah. you walk through the door. They're very objective. They listen to what's going on, and... And they do an extremely good job of being impartial. And and and, and the really good judges are not going to let. I don't care how good the attorney is. They're not going to let him control what he thinks. Because I've sat there and watched some of them that uh, uh, a lot of people would probably think that he was asleep. But but he every word that's been stated during that particular trial or whatever. He, he absorbs in his mind. Uh, uh, I, I know uh, Don Ash, a, a lot of attorneys would get mad at him because he wasn't going to follow every direction. And, and he did such a great job. I, I mean, sometimes I, I think the, the more attorneys that are hacked off at you, the better judge you are sometimes. But uh, I just, I love to be in a courtroom because it's one of the most. Uh, uh, for for a lot of them, it's more of the more agonizing thing that's happening to them in their life. But there's so many different things going on there that it's just absolutely fantastic to me. I just love it. I, I clerked for uh, Judge Stennett when I was in law school down in Mississippi. And uh, he would lean back in his chair and he'd have his eyes closed. And you'd think he'd be asleep, but he wasn't asleep. He was going, yeah. he, we had one case where... The wife said, he threatened to blow my brains out. The husband said, he threatened to blow my brains out. She threatened to blow my brains out. And, said, and it was a really hot, highly contested case. The judge did it. Leans forward. And he was in his 70s, and his hand would shake a little bit. And he raised it up. He said, uh, he said I don't think anybody's going to blow anybody else's brains out. Judging by the evidence presented, there's no indication that either party has enough brains to blow out. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> It's like, oh my goodness! <laughs> that sounds like um, just, I loved him to death, Judge Buckner. Judge Buckner, yeah. he did not let anything go unsaid if it was something that was really bothering him. <laughs> and 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 the characters that come in there. I mean, everybody from uh, people who stay drunk 90% of their times to whatever, he he would notice them, and it was just a. Uh, it was a pleasure to sit there, and, and of course, I, I don't want to see anybody um, get the the bad end. Of course, after all these years, but it, it was. Uh, if you want to see something that really is better than watching TV, go in a courtroom and sit there and watch what happens. On well, any given day, it, it, it's better than a football game. It, it may be as dull as shucks on some days, but on other days it's very lively. Yeah. Judge did it one day having a particularly contested child custody suit. So he's making his ruling, and he said, uh, I don't know that much about trailer parks. All I know is what I see here in the, in the courtroom, and there could be a rabbi living on one end and a priest on the other end, but I would doubt it. And then he, then he goes on to make his ruling, you know, regarding putting the child in the trailer park and where it was or anything else. But it was uh, it was an interesting time. So, Do you ever feel like you need to get the judge on your side when you're presenting? Say it's a very tough case, and it could go either way. And as you're monitoring what's going on with the judge, you, you start thinking, what can I do? You to, want him to, to hear, a, yeah. You want him to hear what your best points are, and yeah. you want to be able to make those points succinctly and not, you know, you don't want to get too bogged down in the weeds. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you got to get in the weeds to make your point, and so you you want to be sure that there's a balance there in your presentation to to uh, get to the point uh, with enough information for the judge or the jury to hear it but uh, not put them to sleep in the process. So.
you almost become an actor, don't you? You, you, you've already got your lines and everything ready before the, the big day for, for, for when he's going to be making his uh, decision after hearing uh, each side of the, the ledger. But do you ever, would you go in front of a mirror, say at home, and, and start uh, giving your particular side of the story? And do you get... Uh, animated while you're doing it and all those things that uh, uh, may draw attention well we used to we had in the in the law office where I was we had a drafting table mm -hmm. where you would you could stand at the drafting table there mm -hmm. and uh, we would actually practice things at the drafting table uh, to be sure because you, if you and of course the more experience you have the less you have to do that but but early on you want somebody to practice what they're doing mm -hmm. and to practice the way it sounds and to practice the pronunciations and how things are going to be done because the the rhythm and the way you, you, you know if you're halting and you're slow and you seem un, indefinite in what you're doing that comes across yeah you want to be be able to be confident present yourself as being confident but not cocky uh, because you you have to understand that the decision is not yours. It's their decision. And if you think you're going to go in and, and rule the roost, uh, there are attorneys that take that approach. And uh, sometimes it works for them and sometimes it doesn't. But did you watch uh, To Kill a Mockingbird? I did. Atticus Lynch. I, th I think that it should be a, a priority for all attorneys to follow the lines that he had. It was... Uh, Extremely effective uh, you, story. Do you, you remember when he threw the ball to the defendant that he was representing? I don't remember that particular part. Oh, you got to. That's that's what kind of swung it around a little bit because of uh, of, of the way that uh, the per the perpetrator had had killed. Oh yeah, yeah. He had one arm that was uh, not working. His right arm that's did correct. not work. His, he right. caught it w with his left hand. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that now. And uh, yeah, there are factors that you need to be sure and bring out. And I've actually been in been in courtrooms at times when the judge would lean forward to the other attorney and say, Mr. Sonso, do you have any objection to what was just presented? <laughs> and they're like, Oh yes, I object. You know, he was asleep at the switch, uh, but it was so blatant that the judge, <laughs> judge uh, asked him, you know, do you have an objection to that? It was very unusual because uh, the judge is impartial, but he's he's impartial. That's what he's supposed to be. I have seen some cases here that were very similar to a number of. I, I had rather go see a movie that has it's all based in a court of law in. in uh, Twelve Angry Men. Twelve Angry Men w was good, but it, it that spent more time uh, behind the scenes in the right. jury room. But uh, th the others that uh, uh, it, it seemed like I, I was uh, Jimmy Stewart uh, had played a, a great uh, uh, part in uh, when he had a law enforcement guy that had mur uh, murdered. Uh, a uh, man who owned a tavern because he he uh, tried to rape his wife or did uh, rape right. his wife. Uh, do you remember that one? I don't remember that movie. Oh gosh! I, I met Jimmy Stewart one time when I was in. Uh, I was but at, not in a court of law. No, I was in. Uh, I was at a World Scout Jamboree and uh -huh. he came to Jamboree and I, I, I you know, fourteen thousand of us there, but I actually ended up next to him. And uh, met him and visited with him, and, and incredible, really good, uh, very effective in what he did. And of course, he was he was the genuine article. He flew uh, bomber missions in World War II and came out as a general in the Air Force when he retired. And uh, very res very much respected. When I was with City Service Oil and Gas Corporation, we had our headquarters. They'd been moved from New York to Tulsa, and in in Tulsa, they had all the records and everything, and there were a number of investment groups from Hollywood that bought oil and gas royalties. Mm -hmm. And you'd go in and you would see actual, the original autographs on 
royalty deeds and sort of the, uh, Marilyn Monroe, Jimmy Stewart. There's a whole whole group with Jimmy Stewart, and they would go through. And it was fascinating when they when the company decided to go digital. Of course, they scanned all that stuff in, and they're going to get rid of all that junk, hmm. you know. And so I thought, well, you know, I'd kind of like to have that Marilyn Monroe signature deal. I go to the file and I open it up and it's already gone. Somebody, somebody already made a copy and got the original. So, uh, but they they were going to destroy it because well, it's been digitized now. We don't need the original anymore. I'm surprised she was an investor in the oil company. A, a lot of them put their money in in uh, uh, buying royalties. Royalties is totally different from buying uh, a working interest. Working yeah, but in, diamonds are a girl's best friend. So say they. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised at that. But uh, but it was interesting to see what uh, what groups there were in there. You'd be going through documents, and you're like, wow, man, these are people I've heard of and seen in the movies and all that sort of thing. People, um, I mean, attorneys that are representing the oil business, what are they looking for in an attorney? Because you, you, you have to have a lot of knowledge, I would think, about the whole process. It tends to be very sectionalized. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll have uh, pipeline attorneys. You'll have uh, right-of-way attorneys. You'll have uh, uh, contracts. Uh, mm -hmm. You'll have uh, negotiation groups. Um, I was with a group down in Dallas when uh, um, I think it was Occidental. We had merged with Occidental Petroleum. Mm -hmm. and we bought Ogip, which was the Italian oil company. What is that? I've never uh, heard of that. Ogip, one. Well, Ogip Petroleum merged into Occidental. Okay. And uh, we, uh, but we had to go through all that paperwork down in Dallas, uh, everything, and, <clears throat> and went through all that group, and it was very interesting to see what you were buying and how you were doing it, mm -hmm. and uh, the contracts. You have to look at every contract and every piece of paper that's in there, and then we bought. Uh, uh, one of the Hunt properties, uh, the Hunt Hunt Oil Company split into three different parts. Rosewood was owned by the daughter, which was 12%, and then Placid had uh, 39%, and Hunt had 51%, I think, mm -hmm. and we bought Placid. So we're going through all those papers and everything. You spend five weeks living in the Hotel Americana down there with the ice rink and everything else, and every day going into uh, oil company and checking to see what, going through all the paperwork, all the contracts, all the obligations, confirming what the interests were, that sort of thing. It's uh, it's very interesting. A lot of history in it. When Hunts had the gold, I'm sorry, had the silver run, that they did one of the one of the, well, we were going through the through the Placid thing, and we there were a lot of things we couldn't find. Well, Placid had laid off a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. So we went out and hired them as contractors, and they came in with our team. So when we asked, you know, where is ABC? Oh, they knew right where it was. So that helped us out a lot. But they were talking about when the Hunts made a run on the silver market, that they stored silver bullion in the buildings there. They said every place you could store silver, in the stairwells, in the closets, in the offices that, that uh, people had part of the office fill up, you could even take your pay in silver bullion if you wanted to. And uh, then, of course, they they just missed cornering the whole market, and it all crashed. But uh, they said there was silver bullion all over the building, everywhere in it. Is that and the same hunt that the uh, Kennedy assassination bunker supposedly hunt. had the meetings before? Yeah, bunker hunt and yeah. uh, whoever the other one was, I forget. But Yeah. Um, he did, I mean, built a tremendous oil company. Yeah. And after the, after the silver market crash was when Rosemary, uh, who was the daughter of the Hunts, mm -hmm. said, you are never going to put my interest at risk like that again. Hmm. And that's when, that's when she broke off what became Rosewood, and, and it had an undivided 12% interest in all, 12% ownership and all thing, but her interest was separate from from the Hunt brothers because she yeah. said, you're not doing that to me again. And uh, so her interest was separate, but it, it's fascinating history and uh, you know, what went on down in there and uh, the columns and the Hunts and yeah. everybody else who's in the oil and gas business. The, uh, when they would drill in the ocean Offshore, and they would have. Which, by the way, Biden just Biden just suspended all 
new leases on federal property, offshore and onshore. Oh, and, that, that's uh, going to be great. That Our federal production is 25% of the oil and gas in the country yeah. that we produce. So uh, Devon Energy, for example, has probably a four-year backlog of leases they already have. Mm-hmm. So they're probably going to be able to ride through this thing without any problem because they're going to have enough properties and things to drill on and get stuff done. Lease lasts four more years. Yeah, it's already leased. But uh, for people, for smaller companies that don't have federal leases that were counting on those leases to be able to uh, get out there and drill and do things, they're going to be in, in a tight bind. So. When, when you start putting businesses in jeopardy like that, that's a dangerous situation. I, I've, I've noticed that since he's been in, he's opening up all, all the uh, the doors for other countries to slide back in again. Yes. And we're going to have a tough financial four years. It, it, will, like. uh, it will end our energy independence that we have. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they're talking about banning fracking on federal lands and that sort of thing, which you, you don't get shale oil production in the amounts that we've had without fracking. Yeah. And uh, it, it's extremely effective. It has nothing to do with uh, aquifers, drinking water aquifers. It's thousands of feet away from those. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's extremely effective in what's doing. You, you go down vertically and then you whip stock out, and they may go out two miles horizontally. Yeah, and then they frack it, and the oil comes pouring in. I can It bothers me to see our country start weakening again, as far as its relationship with uh, other countries. I mean, we were starting to see um, in, in the Middle East things were starting to come around, and, and <clears throat> nations were getting involved with other nations that um, they'd rather be at war with rather than shaking their hands. And it, it's um. um most people, uh, a lot of us don't really understand the entire process. And, and I think that's a sad thing that uh, we become more interested in what's going on with us rather than what's going on with our country. And John F. Kennedy, he said it right uh, when he first came into office. That's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And... Um, it's just not uh, that way anymore. After World War II, the United States, in many areas, sort of acted like a father figure to these other countries. I mean, they they wouldn't like us characterizing it that way, but we yeah. provided them with money with the Marshall Plan and everything else. And the Marshall Plan saved Greece from going communist. Yeah. Uh, and and we had foreign aid to other countries, and and we made deals with them where. They would have a tremendous advantage at our expense, but we were trying to rebuild them, and that was part of the deal. And so, um, as we got as we got further along, that process has continued that way. But those countries need to be able to stand on their own two feet and yeah. do their own business, and not at our expense. And it's not saying that we have to be ahead of them, but we don't have to stand there and support them and give them our money. For them to do what they should be doing, uh, it's it's an interesting thing that uh, the United States has always been extremely helpful to other countries and other things, and you know we leave uh, we leave a big footprint behind, but we leave the footprint behind for them to deal with, not us. Uh, you know we we don't occupy France, we don't occupy Germany. I mean we we have troops there, but but uh, they're not there running things. Uh, it's amazing that most of the countries don't seem to appreciate what we do for them. It's, it's, Especially it's the younger their, ones. Yeah, it's their right for the, uh, the America to keep them going and keep them strong and keep keep their enemies away and all, all of that. It, it, that's their born right for us to... It, we Evidently, we've adopted all of those countries to, to make sure that... Uh, they're able to continue on at, at the level that they do. It was like the old story about the guy in New York who's on the street begging, and every day the guy goes by and he puts in a couple of dollars, you know, and he donates a couple of dollars. Well, times got hard, and so he didn't put in the $2 that he'd been doing. Who does the guy get mad at? Does he get mad at the ones who never put anything in or the one who stopped putting things in? You of know? course. And uh, it's, it's kind of the same way. So, Have you ever, uh, go back going back to the attorneys, have you ever represented someone 
that you knew should not be able to win that particular case and you've won it uh, for them, did you ever feel guilty? I always felt as an attorney it was my job to present the best defense which they had available. Mm -hmm. Don't misrepresent anything, don't lie about things, but you let them hear their side told mm -hmm. and let them tell their side or, or tell their side so that uh, it's presented for the jury to consider. Now the jury may look at it and say, yeah, that may be his story, but we don't believe it. Or they may look at it and say, you know, that, that's a reasonable doubt. We'll, uh, we'll uh, do that. We'll let that go. And uh, so it's, a, it's not always an issue of is your client guilty or innocent. It's a, it's a question of presenting his defense or uh, presenting what needs to be heard on, on a, in a civil case on that side yeah. of it and uh, going from there but you know so there are and there are occasions where you you know you just simply come in and you say I'm sorry I can't represent you anymore uh, you lied to me about so and so and uh, I, I will just simply file with the court to uh, withdraw from your case mm -hmm. and the, the court generally will not ask you why you withdraw uh, uh, but uh, it just depends on the case but there are times where you just you know I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go in. Or if you know somebody's lying on the stand testifying, and you know he's test, you know he's lying on the stand, then you can't tolerate that. That's not something to be tolerated. Uh, I think the thing that would bother me the most, if if I was in your shoes uh, as an attorney, would be a criminal case, and you almost know for a hundred percent fact this person is guilty. And for whatever reason, the the jury just kind of bites on to whatever you're saying, and they decide either a hung jury or uh, he's innocent. That would be that would be extremely tough for me to know that a man, especially uh, one of the cases involves maybe rape or, or murder or something like that, a capital case you right. might say, and he get he he would get. I don't know if I could. I could live with that or not. Well, it's uh, it's not always you making the decision. It's I, the judge or the jury making the decision. But uh, there are considerations on things that need to be done. Um, it's uh, I remember James Baker talking about. Uh, no, it wasn't James Baker. It was another attorney. I forget who it was. You know, he was talking about if you had a uh, somebody who was going to have uh, be executed for murder, mm -hmm. and his client called him in and said, you know, that guy didn't do that. I did that. I knew that. What would you do? You know, and he said, I wouldn't do anything. Really? That was his response. I don't know that I would have had that response. But he said, uh, you, you, first, you don't know that he's telling you the truth. Second, you don't know that he's uh, <clears throat> not trying to throw a monkey wrench into that other case for whatever reason. And uh, as an attorney, you can't disclose that. So... Uh, you just let let things take their course, and uh, it was a very tough answer. But uh, uh, a lot of considerations. To I'm go not in. too sure that uh, that's that is um, something that to me uh, there there's no um, there's no way in the world that the, you shouldn't. Uh, let that information go, whether or not uh, it's actual or not. But you know, a call to the governor would be pretty good at that at, it, at that particular point. Without the approval of your client, it violates the attorney-client privilege, and you will lose your license. You, I mean, there are and there are attorneys who've made that decision. I will go ahead and disclose this, understanding that I'm probably going to lose my license for doing it. Now, uh, yeah. would he have to go before a board if he does that? Uh, and, and yeah, there would be a complaint made to the board that he violated his attorney-client privilege and uh, asking for his disbarment or, or reprimand. And, and they can decide what the reprimand or disbarment is. And it's dependent on what's there. You've had cases where somebody says, well, you're an attorney, aren't you? Yeah, and they, and they spill their guts to him. Yeah. But... They're not their attorney. They don't represent them. There is no attorney-client privilege because they're not a client. And uh, so um, 
it's it's a very justice doesn't ride very much on that particular situation that an attorney is put into it's uh, most attorneys have to deal with it at one time or another in in doing things but uh, you uh, you know that's one of the tenets of the of law practice is that you don't go out and blab everything you know to everybody else. Well, I understand that, mm. but the, some things go beyond the scope of where where at where they put you in in situations like that. They they should be able to go behind if it's a board or whatever. Uh, the board members need to have some type of uh, common sense when it comes to relating to. Uh, legal things and and uh, the law has been stretched as you know for the last 20 25 years to go well beyond the, the original scope of how an attorney is supposed to react to things we afford a lot of rights to individuals that other countries don't afford and under our constitution there are a lot of uh, protections that are there and for the most part that inures to the uh, defendants credit mm -hmm. Um, for him um, and it the idea as presented is that it's better for a guilty man to go free on rare occasion than to have innocent people convicted and serving time or be sentenced to death or that sort of thing and that's rare I know is uh, if you look in the in, in the media or Hollywood that happens all the time but it does not it's very it'd be a very rare item. That's uh, right. A law enforcement officer has to pretty much lay everything open to to, to the events that occur uh, for a to get a guilty plea in today's world. And in in fact, it, it it's changing. It, it's the legal process is becoming more political right now than it, it was. Uh, go back 30 or 40 years it, it's changed tremendously <clears throat> well there's a there's a an approach in dealing with the constitution where you have constitutional rights of course mm -hmm. but what some people are trying to do is i would say bend or extend the constitutional rights beyond what was what was intended or what mm -hmm. was there um and they're trying to there's a group and it's, it's very prominent, you know, the living Constitution idea, which, well, the Constitution is a living document, and it, and it really says whatever I say it says today, you mm -hmm. know. And <clears throat> I disagree with that. I think the Constitution is very clear in what it says. And it even things. happens in the Supreme Court. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> that, uh, that approach, that living Constitution approach, essentially, you know, Judge gets up in the morning and he's shaving and says, well, today I feel like the Constitution says this. And so he follows that thought. And then the next day he might be different. But if you follow what the Constitution says and the way it says it and what's intended, <coughs> it's very important to consider what the, uh, what the framers had in mind when they wrote that portion of it. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, to to go at that point. Well, we try to have people appointed <coughs> to the Supreme Court that uh, go strictly by the guidelines of the Constitution, but unfortunately, the the, the media uh, is so strong in well, today's world. Well, the question world. is, what what do you mean by guidelines? Uh, you know, and there are those who the way it was meant for when it was uh, uh, became law. Yeah, the the original structure of the Constitution, you yeah. know, by many judges is extended. Well, they hadn't anticipated this, and therefore this should be included also. Mm -hmm. And you find, uh, you know, you find some controversial things which uh, people are on both sides of. You yeah. know, and uh, it it'll weigh out. That's rare. Yeah, when you hear somebody talk about social justice, my my antenna go up because justice is not social justice; mm -hmm. it's justice. Yeah. And uh, when you talk you talk about well. Um, you sound like Scalia now. They well, it just you know that that's going to put my antenna on edge, mm -hmm. and, and 
say, what do you mean by that, and, and how is that, and are you trying to attribute something to this group? And there, uh, another consideration, a lot of people want to apply the Constitution not to individuals, but as groups. Right. Well, this group needs to be afforded special privileges, as opposed to these individuals need to be afforded protections under the Constitution. And so you find a group mentality taking over for many interpretations, saying that uh, this group should should be allowed special privileges where this other group should not be allowed special privileges, mm -hmm. or uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna treat everybody the same, but these are gonna be a little more same, kind of like the animal farm was with the pigs. You know, the, when they wrote the book Animal Farm, you know everybody was equal, but the pigs were more. I don't even know equal. why I read that, but I did. <laughs> yeah. I guess I was needing some humor at the point. Well, and it was required reading for a lot of students along the way, so. Yeah. But. What, what, what was your favorite novel of all times? Um, every one of us has a favorite, and mine, to be bluntly, um, I, I did not like what I was reading to begin with, but but time it was over with, the book was, it seemed like it was 12 inches high, uh, where all the pages were, but what was yours? I, you know, I really enjoyed <clears throat> Tom Clancy's Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Uh, John Lehman, who was Secretary of the Navy, said if, if Clan well, first they wouldn't let Clancy publish the book because they claimed he was, had classified information in it, mm -hmm. and he had to go back and document his public sources for all of the information. Of course, what he didn't tell him was he had people who steered him to the public information, mm -hmm. but. Uh, John Lehman, who's Secretary of the Navy, said if Clancy had been in the Navy, he would have had him court-martialed because no other work consolidated as much information on submarine and anti-submarine warfare as Hunt for Red October did. Hmm. And as good as the movie was, the book is even better because as you read the book, in the movie you just see something and it goes through it, but in the book it explains what that is and how that was and it describes it. And uh, it, it was probably, it's probably one of Clancy's best novels. I thought it probably is his best novel. But, uh, uh, I would have been sweating the whole time. It, I, 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 I can't stand. That is the last thing that I would have ever done. They would have <laughs> had to put a gun to my head to put me inside a submarine. It, it just, and it, 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 it's fascinating. I mean, all the sounds and the things that go with it. Yeah. But uh, those people that endure being in a submarine, my hat's off to them. It's unbelievable. I had occasion in Midland, Texas, when I was out there, the uh, uh, Commemorative Air Force. It used to be the Confederate Air Force, and they changed the name to Commemorative Air Force to avoid any conflict with that. But uh, they had a B-52 out there, and I had occasion to crawl from the back of the B-52 to the front. And uh, there was a tube just barely, like a pipeline, just barely big enough to get through. I don't think I could get through it now. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I was more lean and mean. And uh, uh, to crawl through that thing as a, as a uh, B-52 crew member, mm -hmm. just unbelievable. And I had, I had high school friends who served on B-52s, and uh, they... Uh, you know, he said they're they're flying along, and all of a sudden they had this noise coming in from all over the place, and they were being hit by any aircraft fire over Hanoi, mm -hmm. uh, doing uh, bombings over Hanoi, and uh, we lost a number of B-52s in those strikes. But yeah. uh, it's been one of the longest-serving aircraft that we have, still in continuous service. That's amazing. Yeah, and of course, the you know when the Iraq War started, it started with a B-52 strike from Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana. As the longest uh, bombing mission on record. And they flew from there, and they arrived something like 30 seconds from their scheduled time. And uh, they did the initial bombing and then flew back to Barksdale. And the reason they flew from Barksdale was because they knew they had bombers based in England, but they knew if they flew them out of England that spies would be watching and they'd report them flying out. Mm -hmm. And they didn't figure anybody would be watching Barksdale Air Force Base, which they weren't. And so they flew the whole load out of Barksdale. And uh, then they arrived, and uh, you know they, they ran into a little trouble going through the Mediterranean. A couple of Libyan jets 
uh, intruded on what they're supposed to. So they weren't sure whether they were going to be totally in the clear, but they were. Yeah. Turned out okay. So. Well, we're going to have to wrap up the show. My my favorite novel was Moby Dick. And Captain Ahab would be proud. The the people that were, I mean, all of the seamen were, that were in that book, it was just absolutely fascinating. And and every once in a while, I'll I'll turn up uh, uh, one of these shows on television that shows like the Blue Sea and things like that, and I get to see uh, all the killer whales and the sharks and the dolphins and all that stuff, and I can't help but wait and see when are you going to show a sperm whale because i'm just fascinated with with that animal it's just unbelievable when they made that movie uh they lost the star in they made it in the irish sea yeah and the fog rolled in and they lost the movie star in the fog and couldn't find him for a while and then finally located him <laughs> but well paul i thoroughly enjoyed it we had a lot of fun today Good to talk with you. All right. We'll see you in the morning at 9 o'clock. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSradio.com.